Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about a topic that many of us will personally face in our life, and if not personally, we will absolutely know friends or family members that will go through it. It's painful, it's challenging, It can be financially devastating and it can absolutely rip your confidence to shreds, which is why it was such an important topic that we wanted to cover on our podcast. Today, we are talking about divorce. Now, from the statistics I could find, it seems that around 33 plus percentage of marriages in Australia will end in divorce and that doesn't even seem to include relationships that also fail. And in the US, it's reported that almost 50% of all marriages end in divorce or separation. Previously, we've brought you some episodes of women who have talked about their own personal journey through divorce. However, today, we are talking to an incredible woman, Karen McMahon, who not only went through her own divorce, but now heads up a team of people who help others go through divorce. Karen is a certified relationship and divorce coach and founder of her business, Journey Beyond Divorce. She began divorce coaching in 2010 after recognizing that the pain of her own divorce led her on a transformational journey into an incredible new life. Karen leads a team of divorce coaches in supporting men and women around the world to become calm, clear and confident as they navigate divorce. She's also the host of the acclaimed Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, co-author of the book Stepping Out of the Chaos, Turning Pain to Possibility, and the creator of the Journey Beyond Divorce's exclusive 12-step divorce recovery program. We are going to learn so much today. So Karen, I am thrilled to welcome you to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and I think this is going to be a great conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because confidence is such a a fallout, I guess, of divorce. There's so much emotion, there's rejection, there's pain, there's all sorts of things. And confidence can really take a hit, can't it? It's really one of those those byproducts of of going through this painful thing that sometimes happens in our lives. Yeah, and absolutely. I think so many people, uh, it's, it's hard not to see divorce as a failure. And that's like a really foundation for the break in confidence. And there's many other things, including the pain and difficulty of the marriage before the divorce Absolutely, that, that yes. can, can upend one's uh, confidence pretty, pretty powerfully. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we're going to get into a lot of different questions and a lot of different aspects of this today, but why don't you start telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a relationship and divorce coach? Yeah. Thanks so much. I, I married late. I was 34 years old when I got married and started having kids at 36. And so I kind of, and I was out on my own at 19. So I thought I'd been around the block. I knew what I wanted. <laughs> and 2020 hindsight, there was a lot I didn't know. And so in the first seven years of the marriage, we had two kids and things just, they got rocky quickly. 
And I lost myself. And I remember one day we had a terrible argument and and I looked in the mirror and there was my angry rageaholic mom staring back at me. Oh. And I and I was just like, what happened? Yeah. What, where did I go? And how did I end up here? And and I, I so disliked what the reflection back at me. Right. And I immediately called a therapist and went into therapy to figure out right from the beginning, like, what's my part? I mean, I was, I was angry at him. I could put a whole list together of what his <laughs> of course, part was, yes. but what's my part? Yeah. And, and then after trying for a number of years to mend the marriage um, and a couple of marriage counselors, we, we, uh, I filed for divorce and it was a very high conflict divorce uh, from, from the word go. And it lasted three and a half years, which oh, is goodness, which was, it was just it was such a marathon. And when I, I knew I had to sit my kids down and tell them because I knew dad would blame me. You know, they, they say, always tell the children together, but if you're in a high conflict divorce and the other person is going to yeah. not be able to have that kind of neutral, everything's going to be okay. Mommy and daddy love you talk. Sometimes it's better to do alone. So at five and seven, I sat my kids down to say, I've decided to leave daddy. And that was the beginning of a really long and difficult journey. And it was from that, that your experience through that, is that what led you into really trying to work out how to share this and and support other people going through these? That's exactly it. I think for me, I had an amazing therapist for my kids. I had a wonderful therapist for myself. And the cornerstone was I entered an Al-Anon program, a 12-step program. And, Mm. you know, for those of you who know the 12 steps, it's like, keep the focus on yourself right? Keep your side of the street clean. How important is it? Um, Count to 10, count to a hundred. Like there are all these amazing tools. And so as hard as my divorce was, and and there's an amazing support network in the 12 steps. So, so we had the police were at the front door. CPS got called three times. I lost all of my, I was in sales. I lost all of my sales. I had friends dropping off groceries at the back door because I had no money to feed the kids. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And yet when I emerged, I think there was this moment where I realized it's all over, signed, sealed, and delivered. And I really like myself. I am such a different version of myself. I I was so confident. I was so um, clear. And that was when I realized that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. Like it, it held. And I just thought there has to be something more important for me to do, given what a transformational experience I went through. And that's when I started exploring. I found coaching. Coaching is about transition. It's about helping people get from where they are to where they want to be. And I was like, I have been created. I was a child of divorce. I went through this divorce and I just thought I have been uniquely created to support people going through divorce. Because you've got such an insight, it's personal and you know exactly what people are going through at that time and how they can transition to a to another right. place. And, and I think for all of us, uh, there is guilt and shame and dread and fear and uncertainty oh, and, sure. and pain and mm-hmm. anger. And nobody can see a light at the other side of the tunnel. It's just like, okay, this is my life for the rest of my life. And that's one of the things we always say is this too shall pass. This is going to be 
a blip mm. on your radar. I know it doesn't feel that way now. I know it feels like forever, <laughs> but it's actually temporary. And there is not only life, but if you do it well, the best of your life post-divorce. Absolutely. Great. Well, we're going to go through some more in depth about the relationship and, and the divorce and some questions and get your real expertise to help our listeners today. But firstly, what we always ask our guests, what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? Having completely lost it, I would say being firmly rooted in who I am and why I do what I do. And that typically comes from navigating trial and tribulation and learning who we are and <laughs> and refining our strengths and, and being really kind and compassionate about our shortcomings. And when are you the most confident version of yourself, Karen? Gosh, uh, I think I would say as a mother to my children. I have two 20-something-year-old children, and I remember saying early on, if I fail at everything else, but I raise a young woman who can stand in her who she is and, and have her voice, and a young man who's just, you know, such a good soul, then I could fail at everything else and still be a success. And I have a great, oh, I, love I have a great that. relationship with my kids. I, um, I, I love the way I parent and uh, I feel very confident about uh, these two people that I've helped um, bring into the world. Oh, that's lovely. I've, we've never had that sort of focus before, but that's, that's such a lovely way to look at parenting to go there's so much in life and there's so much we have the ups and downs and disappointments but if we just produce a couple of really great humans on the I mean the really parenting then that's a big tick in the right direction. I love what I do I love how many people I help but at the end of the day we have it's just such an important responsibility and uh yeah it is so. yeah wonderful Love that. Okay, so we said, look, we've touched on a few things about your own divorce and your own, I guess, going through that marriage, which you've said that you really lost yourself, you lost your confidence over those seven years of marriage. What did that sort of look like? What What was it that you lost yourself in? Like, how did you lose yourself? And what was that turning point where you knew you had to change? So my situation is unique in that it was so high conflict. And so this may not resonate with everyone, but when you're in a relationship with somebody who has a disordered way of thinking and being, and yes. you know, it, it's not their fault. I mean, if that's how their brain was wired, that's how their brain is wired, but they can be very displeasing. And one of the things that is fascinating, especially looking backwards, is my ex was always a thousand percent certain of anything he said or did. And because like people on the narcissistic yeah. spectrum, they have like a 365 degree blind spot. So they don't see anything except mm. their perspective. So they're always so certain of it. So I, I, early on, I found myself doubting myself, even though, you know, I had been a successful career person. I was in my early thirties. I wasn't like a kid right out of college or anything. And I was I was criticized and berated and cursed at and 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 I I took it. I uh I think that I probably had some real self-worth issues because I I excused it. I ex I explained it away. I I looked in a different direction. Which 
which we do, don't we? When we're in a marriage and you you get caught in things that we wouldn't accept from someone on the street or someone outside, you know, from a stranger, but we accept it inside a relationship. And sometimes I feel like I'm you're so shocked that it's actually happening initially that it must be just a blip's not going to continue and then it continues but during that process it really starts to undermine your confidence and you know wears it, you down it's so true and I remember thinking so often well Karen you stood before God and you said for better or for worse until death do you part like come on you know step up like you know you you just can't yeah. ditch and and that ended up being you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, of course, we want to stand by our vows, but we also should be loved in a healthy way. And so for me, uh, I just, I just got so angry because I couldn't control him. I couldn't change all of these things that were happening. And I had no, no knowledge of personality disorders or anything. All I knew was this man that I fell in love with, who was just like the greatest guy in the world became this like really displeasing, difficult, critical individual. And here I was with two babies and what the heck was I going to do? That's right. And that's the other thing I've worked with many women over the years with, you know, coming sort of from the confidence, they're usually out of that relationship. But when they're stuck with two young babies or toddlers or whatever, and no income and no job, and like, you can't see a way out because there really, there probably isn't like the upheaval that you would have to do to try to get a way out is so huge. It's almost like, is it worse than where I currently am now. I think that's exactly what people, I think we, we deal with a lot of people who come to us in the, should I stay or should I go? Should I, should I end or should I mend? And, and that's a really difficult question to answer, especially when there are young children involved. And we also have people come to us when their kids are in college and when their kids are in diapers and and there's no right time, there's no wrong time. It's just like, we all get there when we get there. And for me, the kids were fairly young and I just knew that I would be, I would be a more and more broken person if I stayed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. I know. I mean, I'm from a broken home as well. I was sort of a little bit older, but I was the eldest of, of three children and I think there was a real turning point for my mother as well. She was always stay and try and, you know, work at it again. And I think the the turning point for her was really, uh, I think my brother was maybe five or six. My youngest brother was five or six at the time. I think it was his behaviour and the things that started to come out of his mouth about the situation we were living in which turned on the light bulb that it was like, we have to get out of here. This has to be it. We can't have a five-year-old saying the things that he's saying about the, the current situation because this is, this is his life. This is what he's right. learning. There's like that real point of it's great to sort of try to mend, but sometimes it's too broken to mend. You, you need to, to break away and, and move on. And, and I think to your point, a lot of people think I should – we should stay together for the children. But to your point, um, we, as we raise our children, we teach them what intimate love looks like. And if it's really unhealthy, then that's what they're learning and that's what they're going to go out and find. 
Yes, that's right. I know. And that was a big change in I know my mum's view of it is like, yeah, it's it's time. And then she 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 planned, you know, she didn't just jump, she planned sort of two years of planning. She had to get herself back into the into work and get you know, there was there were steps, but she was she knew she had to get us get us moving on. So so there was a turning point. What was the turning was there a real turning point for you? Was it really that looking at yourself in the mirror at the at the angry vision of your mother looking back at you which was like the okay it's it's done because you didn't like who you'd turned into was that really the turning point it was my daughter's second birthday my daughter is the younger of the two and it was her second birthday and we had a physical altercation um and we were we were both physical and uh that just scared the wits out of me. And that was the, and that was the, I went up to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and that was it. And I was like, you are one lost puppy girlfriend and, uh, and you need to do something about this. And it was years. It was another, I think it was another couple of years. Um, I saw a therapist for a while. I stopped, Um, I went back to the therapist and she said to me, now, the first time I went, I was in bad shape. When I went back the second time, she said, Karen, you are a shell of the woman I met the first time. And I was pretty much of a shell the first time I went. So that was, that was, uh, so I, I can't speak clearly enough about how empty and broken and scared I was. Yeah, absolutely. What were the first steps you took to rebuild yourself? I mean, you you obviously went started seeing therapists. You started Al-Anon. Did you have to get that sort of external support to start helping you to rebuild and learn tools and techniques to start fleshing out the shell as such that you you say you'd sort of turn? Yeah, into? yeah. So the therapy was vital. Um, I had never heard of a divorce coach back then. The ther- I had a great therapist, so that was really vital. Putting my children in therapy was enormously helpful because it was almost like I had two different therapists that I was kind of getting some feedback from. And I think when you're, especially when you're in a really unhealthy situation, you, you know, nobody knows what's happening behind the closed doors. And yet when you're attorney and you're yeah. therapist and- um, the children's, the the school social worker, like all of a sudden people could peek in the windows. And while I thought that would yes. be bad, it turned out to be good because what was reflected back to me is you're in danger. This is scary. This is, this is not normal. This is not healthy. And I had already been in it so many years. I was like, oh, he's just angry. And I was like, no, like I remember my family once called and said, we are afraid for your safety. And I was like, he's just angry. And now I look back and it's like, I was so lost that this was, this was my new norm. But, but, but as I invited in the support network of friends, family, and professionals, um, I, it became very clear that this is this is a an unhealthy and even dangerous situation and it is getting that outside perspective because you do get lost in yes oh it's just this and it's just one of those days and it's just oh they've had a long day at work and it's you, it's all the excuses but then the outside world starts saying uh no right. <laughs> that's not you that's not part of this game you you know you're accepting something that's that's not acceptable. Absolutely. And, and you start, you start to see what the, what the outside world probably sees. And, and I think something that I just like to 
put words to here is so many of the people who come to us who are in those high conflict relationships, um, your spouse might be super charismatic or wealthy mm. or powerful. And you think yeah. everybody is going to drink the Kool-Aid. And I want to tell you, yes. that's not true. That once you get these professionals inside, while you drank it and you think everybody else is drinking it, all of a sudden you start noticing that people catch them right away with who they are and how they are. And, and that too is, is, is part of that rebuilding of confidence and starting to, starting to trust yourself again. Yeah. No, I love that point because that is so, because it is the external performance maybe I could use that word that is that is put on when you are out in social situations and everyone loves this person and they're so fun and they love and you know and uh, but the internal is different and you think that nobody sees that but people are smarter than that people can see through some of the the bs frontage (laughs) stuff but they're, no, they're never going to say it to you when you're in what's seemingly a loving relationship or what have you until right. they start to see the cracks and then they go, yeah, actually, we've always been concerned about this. And and, and one of the things that happens is they're telling you how you're wrong, how you're like, you know, you're going to be in the street, you're going to lose your kids, you're going to yep. destroy the life, you're yep. going to... And, and, because you drink the Kool-Aid, you're believing it. And so yes. it's so when these new, these other people come in, it's like you start getting these healthier perspectives and everything begins to shift. So it's it feels so uncomfortable, but it's the best thing in the world to let the outside world in. Shine a light on yes. that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so for, for people going through this or going through even whether it's divorce or even relationship yeah. changes. You talk a lot about boundaries and really having to uphold those boundaries. So why is it so important that we set boundaries and uphold them? Yeah, I think for so many, we weren't raised with boundaries. And so people are like, well, what is a boundary? And, right. and you know, I wrote an article, uh, all healthy relationships require healthy boundaries. And even something, I'm going to start as basic as he made me feel. Nobody can make you feel something because of your life experience, you may have a reaction to somebody, but he made me, she made me do, she made me feel. And so, so right from the beginning, a healthy boundary is I will own my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. If I don't have a gun to my head, nobody's making me do anything. That's one that you can practice immediately. And, and, and think about it. If he can make me feel or think or do, I have no agency over myself. Yeah. Yeah. Loss of control. That's, that's some broken confidence, but let's say anything I think, feel, or do, I have full agency. This is, this is my decision. And then the boundary becomes, I do not accept being cussed at and called nasty names. Okay. So the boundary is the statement is, um, I've noticed you've done this and I'm asking you to stop. You set the boundary. I do not want you to speak to me that way anymore. Well, if the boundary oblivious, they're going to take out that tractor and they're going to plow right over that boundary. (laughs) And then, and then what people tend to do is I told you not to talk to me. You can't talk. And so there's trying to change the other person. You can't change the other person. You have to do something. And so, so what does that look like? And depending on the scenario, it might look like, 
um, walking out of the room, hanging up the phone, not reading the email, whatever it is, as yeah. soon as the behavior, whatever the behavior is that's displeasing begins to happen, you change your behavior. And that's how you honor your boundary right. and you uphold yeah. it, not by you know, yelling at the other person to change. Um, and so boundaries enable us to be safe. They enable us to own our stuff and not pick up and hold on to somebody else's stuff. Like boundaries are yes. one of the most liberating and expansive practices because they do that for you. Yeah. It sort of brings to mind that conversation we say, what can I control and what can I not control? And really you can you only have control over your own thoughts, feelings and emotions. And and but it is that sort of that change in perspective to say, well, that's right, that nobody can flick that on me. The, I do still have control over I can walk out of the room or I can you know, not read that email or whatever being presented with. But it's that change of if I've got control, then I've got control over me. And that's what I have to focus yeah, and, on. And if you're in a relationship without boundaries, you're you're raising your children not to understand boundaries. And so I, I, a lot of times I'll talk to parents and they're, my kids are out of control. And it's like, well, they didn't lick it off the grass. Let's talk about what's happening here. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> So, so, so then you start yeah. looking and it's like, and you know, no shame, let's not be self-condemning here. But if I start a conversation and there's like no sense of boundaries, you know, if, if I walked into a household speaking Chinese, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how I wasn't yes. taught. And so, so, and it's an easy thing to learn. And it's a vital skill for us to have for our intimate relationships, our work relationships, our relationships with our children, like any relationship you have is better with boundaries. And that's a great point because it's so there's so much conflict even in in workplaces and with other people in workplace and colleagues and and it can really again undermine your confidence in that those situations but it is setting those boundaries and being able to speak up for yourself and know where your boundary is and what you're going to do when that boundary is crossed. And I just want to say something. So if you've got girlfriends, like this is something I've heard so well, I don't want to hurt her feelings. Mm. You, you, you're not that powerful. Yeah. You're not yes. that powerful. Yeah. So, so you speak your truth and if her yeah. feelings are hurt, that's her work to do. Yeah. But if you're going to not say something and you're going to continue to accept behavior that doesn't work for you because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings who you care a lot about when you pick them up and carry them, you do them no good speak honestly, speak with, you know, kindness and compassion, but be honest and, and everyone gets to own their own feelings yeah. and, and navigate them. And then we get to swim in some pretty healthy waters. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. It goes beyond your intimate partner. It's really, these are lessons for your boundaries with your children and your boundaries with your girlfriends and your boundaries with your work colleagues and, and, and how we deal with the other humans broken or not broken that are bumping into us on the face of the earth. <laughs> Cause there's lots That's of them that we're coming right. into, into contact with. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Okay. If someone is facing divorce then, how can they set themselves up for a more successful divorce? Which that even that word, when I, when I was reading it through your information, it's like, the word successful divorce just doesn't sound like those two words should go together, but 
you can see that there are there are steps you can take to have that as the outcome. We're going to go through divorce, but how do we make it as successful as as possible? Right. And I think that I mean the bottom line is you divorce um everybody loses a little bit. Yeah. Um, of course. It it's the loss of a dream, it's the end of a particular type of family dynamic, not the end of the family, it restructures. And so when you're going through divorce, most of us, the vast majority of us are not our prettiest selves. We're reactive, we're angry, we're hurt. And so what happens is we get in our own way. And instead of it just being painful, we end up living in the suffering. And then we not only live in suffering, but we blame our soon to be ex for it. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why we created, I think I had mentioned it to you, this 12 step program, because yeah. we figured after a couple of years of doing this work that no matter gender, culture, part of the world, if you're going through a divorce, there are certain things almost everybody um, bangs up against. There are Wrong. certain obstacles and challenges. And so in a nutshell, the best way you set yourself up for success is by keeping the focus on you. And so that sounds like such a simple statement and it's so incredibly difficult because you could be angry, especially with, you know, us being in the the COVID years Uh, in the States, the courts are so backed up and it's so hard to get in front of a judge. And so you could be frustrated with the court system. You could be frustrated with your ex. You could be angry at your attorney. And so step one in our 12-step program is curbing the conflict. And and what we talk to people about is you can go through this with minimal conflict if you use every upset, every time you get triggered as a setup to look inside and do your own work. And what I mean by that is if I get triggered before I blow up externally and, and yell and blame and accuse and scream, if I stop to say, well, why did that particular thing make me go from zero to a hundred so quickly? Yes. Yeah. Like what's that tender underbelly that was poked at? Um, what do I need in this? Maybe I feel like he's about to, you know, get all the money and, and I have no control. So I'm reactive. Like once you start slowing it down, and understanding what am I reacting to? What does that serve me, right? Because when we're reactive, we're typically throwing emotional grenades across the room. Everything's blowing up. Nobody's getting what they want. When we're responsive, when we slow it down, when we can commun- when we can reconnect to our logical brain and communicate from calm, we can really move the ball forward in the direction we want it to go in. And so keeping the focus on yourself and then just noticing your part in every interaction and doing your best. I think that we can go through divorce with grace and dignity, even if the other person isn't. Yes. And that can serve you so incredibly well. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you're saying about reflecting because it's trying to take the learning and being insightful about what your triggers are and what is it that's underlying why I feel like this. And it might be, well, there's so much uncertainty with how much money I'm going to be left. And it might be you know that's the root of where this has been triggered from but if you can have insight into what that is then you can focus on those areas and try to reduce the conflict level or reduce that amount of anger because walking around angry has just got to be the worst place to be in the world it's just that constant 
feel of you being taken over by anger and frustration and hate. You can't live a great life in that place, can you? Well, if you think about it, when we get triggered, cortisol is released. Mm. We go into fight, flight, or freeze, and our entire body is saturated with this, with the cortisol. And over the course of time, that level of stress is, it's debilitating to us um, psychologically, mentally, physically, spiritually. And so that's the suffering. That's the unnecessary suffering. And I think that our desire and mission is to help people see that there is a better way of doing this. And when you, when you go on that path of a better way, you not only suffer less, but you use every aggravation Mm. as a stone to refine and heal yourself. I mean, that's, that's really what it's about. It's like divorce is so difficult. It's emotional, it's financial, it's social, it's so many different things. If you use every upset to heal and refine yourself, then you're bound to emerge such a different and better version of yourself. Yeah. And how, what are the steps like from a woman going through divorce or maybe on the other side of divorce how do you help people or what do you say to to women to try to really start building that foundation of confidence again? Maybe they have to go and move back into the workforce, which they have been out of in, in for a long time, which is, uh, you know, that's something that comes up in a lot of my coaching is women trying to go back, not necessarily from divorce, but going back into a workplace situation or getting a job when they've been out of it for, you know, could be 10 or 15 years Absolutely. Very scary and those sorts of things. You know, there's a real transition, not only from the place of divorce, but that woman is taking on work or living by herself or trying to find apartments by herself or trying to raise the children by herself or there's there's a lot of new things to take on. How do you help women to rebuild that confidence so that they can take on this uncertain new way of life? (laughs) Yeah, no, you just, you described that so well. There's fear on every single front and I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I'm going to be poor. I'm not going to have my kids. I'm not going to, I'm losing all my friends. I mean, just like my in-laws, I love them. I'm losing, I mean, there's so many things that one can fear. So one of the steps in our 12-step program is step seven is rekindle confidence. Oh, good. So, so how do we rekindle confidence? Well, from our program, uh, what we do is have you look at the stories you're telling. Yes. And so the story is, I'm the victim, he's the villain, and then all the fear stories. I'm never going to be able to get a decent job and make money. I'm going to live in a crappy apartment. Yes. Um, you know, so, and so then the question is, are those stories fact? No, they're fiction. They're not fact. The fact is where you are now and what you're doing now. And the fiction is a horror story. And so if you have to write a story for your future, why are you writing a horror story? (laughs) And so, so you, you, you take that pencil and you, you cross that out and you rewrite your story. And in today's day and age, there's so much out there about mindfulness what we, there's a saying, what you appreciate, appreciates, what you focus on grows. So if I want to focus on the fact that I'm old and crusty and nobody's ever going to love me, guess what? I'm never finding a guy. And if I want to focus on the fact that I'm never going to be able to rebuild financial stability and I'm always going to to be scarce, then I am going to go through life that way. And so the most powerful thing in our opinion is 
we're not even aware of the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. Most of us, it's very unconscious. And then I'll even say to a client, I'm sorry, could you just say that again? And can you listen to yourself as you say it? How does that sound? And they're like, oh my God, yes. I can't believe I said that. Like yeah. it could be unconscious. And so when you start noticing your story, if it doesn't serve you, yeah, change it and mm. start telling the new story and the confidence that that builds because it has this amazing ripple effect. Absolutely. Like as you start speaking it, it does begin to happen and you take baby steps. I mean, all yeah. everything with coaching is baby steps. And so I just um, spoke to someone and she said, and after 27 years of not being in the workforce, raising my kids, I had to go out and do something. And she decided to do something that felt very comfortable. So she went and she worked at a vet's office. So she was around all furry friends, but she was out in the, yeah. and she was engaging. And then she started saying, 27 years as a mom, I could yes. juggle a lot of balls. I got a lot going Correct. on. I'm middle life. I've got a lot of wisdom. I've got, and she yeah. had previously been a nurse and she ultimately went back and re-upped her nursing degree, but she took baby steps yeah. to get there. And so she went yeah. from scared to death, no confidence. Yeah. And then as soon as she started doing that little part-time job, amazing yeah. things began to happen for her, you know? So you don't, you don't have to take these huge leaps into corporate America. If, if the career yes. thing is your concern, you take a baby step that's going yeah. to help you build your confidence. And then there'll be another yeah. one and another one. And then people see, I, I am amazed, especially mm. with the women that I coach, they don't realize what they have. It's like, there's so many underwhelming people in the world. When you're a rock star, wear yeah. your rock yeah. star, <laughs> like know you're a rock star <laughs> because you've got all that's that right. and more. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I've got, and I love the quote that you use. Actually, I had that pinned on my wall for, I think, oh, for years and years. I think my version of it was what you focus on expands. And it was up on almost near the ceiling when I, so when I woke up in the morning, I'd see this, what you focus on expands, but it begs the question then to you, well, what's expanding in your world? Because that's what you're focused on. And do you need to refocus? That was always my prompter to go, is this what I want to be happening? Because this is what, you know, you focused on at that point. But I so love with the the women that you help, I've got a sheet to start, you know, I think it's got like a hundred qualities of the, I asked the ladies to do because it is that they, they, they can't see themselves. They see themselves as, as low in confidence. I haven't got anything to offer. But when they sort of do, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm organized. Well, yes, I am organized. Okay. Well, that's one good quality. Or they might see that I'm empathetic to people. That's a good quality. And I, I and then all of a sudden they've, you know, I, there's, I think there's a hundred or so. And they, I say, just pick out 25 of your top things that you know you are. Oh, well, I'm, I'm someone who is always on time. Great. Circle that one. But they start to piece together that I do have something to offer. I'm like, I'm an organized, time managed, successful woman who juggles three kids and a dog and a, like, you do actually have something to offer huge out there. And it's taking those little, it's changing that perspective to go, I do have things. There is something, whether you're going to go and volunteer or just, as you say, start something and get that sense of yourself again, that you, that you do have something to offer. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I, I would love to share just another little strategy, which is with, you know, Mm. decisions. I've certainly worked with a lot of people who have a hard time making decisions, right? And if you have a hard time making decisions, then there's obviously some self-doubt in there. And, and then some of us are just born more confident about making decisions than others. And so regardless of the spectrum, when you boil it down, every decision we make is either fear-based or desire-based. And so when you look at it that way and you put yourself, and this is, this is what I would say, put yourself in a bubble. Imagine for a moment that nothing you decide would cause any damage. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're in the safety bubble. Most people will be able to make a decision right then and there. And and what happens is a fear-based decision is a decision where you're staying in your comfort zone. You're too scared. Mm. So so should I stay or should I go? I'm too afraid that I'll be financially broken, so I'm going to stay. That feels safe in the moment. It generally doesn't work out so well. The desire-based decision is really scary in the moment. When I decided to go back to school and become a certified coach, I I left my marriage $60,000 in debt. I didn't have a penny to my name, and I had these two kids. Deciding to go into coaching was a huge, it was a huge leap of faith. And so desire-based decisions are a leap of faith that are really, really scary in the moment. And that's where all the, that's where the treasure is. And so if you want to build your confidence and part of it is that you have choices to make and, and it's really hard to make those choices, looking at it that way, looking at it, is it fear-based or desire-based? Can I take that leap of faith? That really helps people um, land on solid ground a lot. Yeah, fabulous. Oh, I love that. That's really great. Now, last question I've got for you is you, you speak about raising teens and young adults. So what is your advice for parents that are going through, you know, whether a divorce or a relationship breakdown to ensure that our kids know themselves and feel confident in who they are? Now, that's such a great question. And the thing I've noticed the most is most parents tell more than they ask. And and yes, when our children are young, we have to give them direction. But there comes a time, and even, even like later in grade school, where when you begin to ask questions and around the divorce, not leading questions, open-ended questions, mm. not, are you really sad that mommy and daddy are getting divorced? That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a statement with a question mark at the end of it. You know, yeah. how are yeah. you feeling? What are you thinking? Um, what do you need? And, and certainly when it's teens and young adults, the more we ask and then bite your tongue until it's bloody, like get them to really, because when we ask as coaches, we ask questions, our clients are exploring and getting to know themselves. As a parent of a teen or a young adult, the more you can ask and give them that space to explore, don't be quick to criticize, don't shut them down because they came up with something you didn't like and give them that opportunity to expand and even to make the mistakes. That's where they're going to build their confidence. And so when it, when you're dealing with breakup and divorce, I think that the telling is in how much we love them. And that of course, what's happening is not their fault. The asking is in what do they need and how do they feel and what are they thinking and really allowing them to grieve in their own way to kind of come back to you 
when they're ready. I probably have a lot of people who saw the way I parented my kids in their teens as being not strict enough. And I came from a super strict right. household. And so my feeling was yeah. like, if you're going to go out and party the first time, I want you under my roof so that I can take care of you so that we can talk yeah. about it afterwards. So that you know, yeah. I often would let them experience life's consequences. I didn't need to pile my consequences on top of the life's consequences yeah. because I wanted them to learn <laughs> yeah. that for the rest of your life, when I'm not around, there are consequences. It's not just about what mom does. And so I think there's so much that we, there's so much opportunity to raise mindful, conscious, aware people in today's day and age. And I don't know about you, uh, Jody, but I just turned 60 and there were none of these conversations when I was growing up. Oh, no, no. Well, I'm just about to turn 50 this year and there was none of these. Con- well, actually, I, my because my mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor just before she decided to get divorced, and that was in the 80s, and she was insightful enough to go to the place of, well, if it's in my head and I created it, then I can I can get rid wow. of it. Wow. And that was the days of Louise Hay yep. and Deepak Chopra's and all those. So as a very young woman, sort of probably the 12 to 14, I was introduced to those sorts of books and thinking. And really, I mean, you know, who I am now is the product of, you know, you're saying that you were like built for coaching yes. people in divorce. I mean – I mean, I learned about positive thinking and changing your mind and what you focus on and rewriting your story. I mean, I was learning that at at 12 and 14, which just wasn't something any of my girlfriends or people around me. Exactly. I was learning it at 45. So you were like decades ahead. (laughs) But because because of this situation, my mum went on that journey herself and I was exposed to that. But yes, I'm so thankful I did get some of that information and start opening up to these conversations earlier than normal. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I still read all the books and still learning because it's just constant, constant learning. And there's so much more coming out every day about what we so can much. learn about ourselves and how our brains work and how different stages of life present different different things to us. So Lots of different things. Okay, so Karen, I know I did say that the last question was your last question, but it's not because we finish every episode. And I think you said you've been listening to our episodes. So you will probably know that we finish every episode with our Rise Women Power questions, which we ask every single guest. <laughs> and at the end of every year, I sit down at my at my computer for hours and hours and I put them all together and our last episode of the year is always a compilation of everyone's answers to these questions and honestly if you haven't listened to the the end 20 2021 and the end of 2020 the two episodes if you listen to nothing else just go and listen to those episodes because you just hear all these answers from these incredible women that we've that we've interviewed all year so anyway it's fun so here are your power questions your first one is what do you wish every woman knew? That she was wiser and more powerful than she thinks. Absolutely. What is your superpower? My superpower is taking in information uh, and quickly organizing it and reflecting it back with like incredible clarity to both on my podcast oh. and to my clients. Yeah. Fabulous. Love that. Now we've got a whole shoe thing going on. 
<laughs> so are you a heels or a flats girl? Or we actually have had heels, flats, Wellington boots. We've had um, soccer boots. We've had barefoot. We've had a whole range of different things. But we start with heels or flats. Yeah, so I was I was raised on the beach, so I would go with the barefoot girl uh, whenever barefoot. possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, your favorite quote or rule that you live by? You know, I love um, Byron Katie, who says, nothing happens to mm. you. It happens for you exactly yeah. at the right time. You don't have to like it, but it's just easier if you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, isn't it Love easier? that. So much easier. Who inspires you and why? Uh, I'm a Christian. I would say that my inspiration comes from my faith uh, seven days yeah. a week. Yeah. Lovely. And finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would. I would like to have my own television show. <gasps> wow, that's fantastic. We've never had that as an answer, Karen. So you, there you go. That's the only, you're the only person who wants a television show. And I love that. Fabulous. The, the Oprah well, Winfrey go. of divorce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of divorce and relationship. That would be, uh, yeah, that would be my next step. That may be, I'll say it go for it. that may be my next step. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I think there's been so much valuable little nuggets of information and wisdom that anyone going through divorce or anyone not, anyone dealing with a relationship challenge in their workplace or, as we say, we bump up against a lot of humans in our day-to-day. I think everyone can take some of the wisdom that you've given us and put that into their relationships and or go through the journey of divorce just a little bit easier. So thank you so much for sharing your your insight your expertise and your wisdom with us today my pleasure my pleasure thank you for having me and thank you to everyone for listening today and remember there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you were always meant to be so please get in touch with us or visit risewomen.com we want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal and we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible so until next time remember with confidence anything is possible bye-bye for now